0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: I'm going to keep this short and sweet before we get started with the Ankle Pick podcast episode. Um, It's been a rough week or so for us here at the Ankle Pick podcast. All four of us, Reese, Parker, Dan, myself, Kobe, we all grew up in Highland Park, Illinois, the site of the 4th of July parade, mass shooting. Um, We're safe. Our families are safe. But this is something that's undoubtedly rocked us, our community, our home over the past week or so. Obviously, our goal at Big Podcast is to to do nothing but provide lighthearted MMA commentary and often gambling advice, often winning gambling advice. And we still want nothing more than to do that. And so the show must, the show will go on. In the meantime, we urge you, any listener out there, to really think about the frequency with which we're seeing these unthinkable tragedies occur in our country. Gun violence is an avoidable epidemic we're experiencing at this time. And we urge you to think about what the best possible course of action is to curb that trend going forward. With understatedly a heavy heart, I'll get off my soapbox and we'll get on with the show. But please, if you feel so inclined, do what you can to act before you, your family, your community becomes just another gross statistic.
0: I'm my chip, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time. To listen to Reese and Dan on the Echo Pick Pod.
1: Episode 44 of 2022. We're here recapping UFC 276. We've got UFC Vegas 58 on deck. RDA and Fiziev, And we've got news and notes for you. Plus a surprise segment that I am not aware of yet. I'm here. Fun. Short staff, but dank wagers with me. Dan, what's up?
0: Yeah, how we doing? Coming off of another hot card over four units profit on that last card uh, and gave away three units on, on the main event and the co-main. Thought there would be a finish in either one. Didn't didn't get in either and, and, and gave away what could have been an all-time upwards of five unit, maybe six or seven unit profit card. But um, can't complain too much. It's been a, a hot year and we're going to keep it going into the second half. I think that this does officially mark after an international fight week, the second half of the schedule. So let's keep those gears turning. Let's keep our nose to the grindstone and let's, let's stay green. It's,
1: this is where stuff gets a little bit, um, just, just loose. I think you mentioned a little bit pre-show, but is that 15 of 23 green cards for you this year? I think so. I, I, I don't want to say those
0: are official numbers. I counted them just a second ago and didn't spend it too much time, but uh start to the
1: year nonetheless.
0: Yeah, over fifty-five. I think I'm fifty-eight percent profit on all picks, um, or fifty-eight percent green, fifty-eight percent correct, and then yeah, upwards of sixty percent in terms of cards that profit, and that includes some PFL sprinkled in there. Um, I think there's a Bellator card or two, but no LFA. Uh just a lot of a lot of big a lot of big promotions.
1: Let's jump right in. Let's clean some things up. We've got, uh, let's just stop and start, work our way up the card from UFC 276. Started things off with a women's bantamweight bout. Julija Stolyaranko, underdog, beat Jessica Rose Clark.
0: Yeah, and that was an awesome one. I think that if you follow us on Instagram, you saw me post about that. But, um, oh no, I posted about the Pereira one. This one I could have posted about. It was uh, an arm bar first round from an arm bar specialist and, and called by yours truly on the morning of the fight. That was one. I didn't have the balls to play. We had a listener that sent in their, uh their cast um, five to one ticket on a hundred dollar bet.
1: Congrats to them. Shout out. Um, and congrats to Stoja 50 K performance of the night bonus.
0: Wow. Good for her. You know, I, I, we're going to get into it, and we're not going to spend too much time talking about this as a, a principle. I'm going to say my thing and, and whatnot. The crypto bonus not working. How did Izzy get it? I voted for Julia. I I, I voted uh, Jalen Turner, Alex Volkanovsky, and Julia. The fact that Jalen
1: Turner didn't get it is exi- Exhibit A.
0: Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Good for her, and uh, props to anyone that listened. I didn't have the
1: balls to place my prop. Um, sweet science, women's dogs, women, do- women's dogs in MMA went one and one this week. Julija covered Macy Barber was a minus 300 or so favorite. She ended up beating Jessica Ai in a flyweight bout.
0: Yeah. And, and I said before to Parker, um, that I, I think I is a, is a live dog. I think she was being overlooked based on the number. Macy obviously had her number that day though. And and that was it. She was quicker to the punch. She was uh better landing. Jessica I did win the second round, and and I thought there was hope. And going into a third round, this, this was kind of our principle all along of women's MMA. Going into the third round toss-up, and we're looking at like a minus three, whatever, versus a plus two eighty or something. I'll take the plus 280, 10 times out of ten. And obviously this time it didn't work out, but Macy was the better
1: fighter all night long, and she deserved the win. Plus 24.95, so almost 25 units in 2022, the science has spoken.
0: It's it's just crazy huge.
1: Uh, Uriah Hall lost a unanimous decision to Andre Mooney's in the early prelims main event. Yeah, and it was a shutout.
0: This was uh, my only straight pick loss of the night. I only had half a unit, but it was on Uriah Hall. Um, and he, he just had nothing. I think he had 10 seconds at the end of the second round where he had swept and ended up and, and landed some good ground and pound, but the grappling of Mooney's was just way too much for Uriah. And one thing I noticed that is a big red flag going forward is Uriah seemed to gasp midway, even early in that second round without any crazy output going on without like a stand up sit down battle of grappling. It was just he was on his back, and all of a sudden he was gassed. And
1: it was just, oh, shit, we're in a bad spot. Not to give away too much, but all four of the prelims bouts, we had four favorites all in the minus 150 to minus 200 range. Every single one of them won. Uh, First up, Dreykus DuPlessis, unanimous decision over Brad Tavares.
0: And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but shout out to both guys. This was a really close fight. Um, I know a lot of people maybe not a lot, but I know some people scored it for Brad. And um, I thought that Dricus looked good. He he looked better in terms of cardio over the three rounds than I thought he would. I thought that looking at the first two, we were going to see him fade in the last five minutes and he just never went away. And so props to him, he looks like he's got a, a decent um, base to build upon in, in this middleweight division. And, I, I think that we're gonna see a lot of Brad or of uh Dreakus Duplexis. Brad is Brad did his job and shout out to Brad too. He fought an awesome fight. Obviously, he doesn't get his two checks,
1: but um he he did his job. He that, that man is game. Ankle lock, Ian Gary with the 30-27 sweep across the board, unanimous decision over Gabe Green.
0: Yeah, and, and he looked like he just had a huge speed advantage. Um I don't know. I, I would say, I'm gonna say this. This is the first time I've been really, really impressed by Ian Gary. And I'm not looking at that as like an insta fade going forward. I think there'll still be a great spot, but I don't even put it in the same category as Patty Pimblett. Like Patty Pimblet, we're gonna have a really fat, juicy, drip burger that drips down to your elbow kind of spot. Ian Gary, it's gonna be like you gotta you gotta look, you gotta pinpoint your spot. It's he, he looks like he's got a whole lot to build on at such a young age. Um, and his footwork really impressed me. He was just a step ahead of Gabe Green all night. Um, shout out to the, the newly renamed name switch, not to burst any um, news and notes bubbles, but shout out to Kill, Kill Cliff FC and, and Henry Hoofed on that. It just seemed like he was a step ahead of Gabe Green. Awesome game plan. Uh, really, really impressive stuff from
1: Ian Gary. Jim Miller beat Donald Cerrone, and Cerrone left his gloves in the octagon. I guess we skipped over it, too. Jeff also retired after a fight against Macy Barber, but Jim Miller with the second-round sub.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to, like, obviously we're about to talk about Cowboy for a minute, but shout-out to Jim. Great performance. Um, he, really fun nine, fight. Signed a four-fight
1: extension, too.
0: Yeah, good for him. He looks he he like we were saying going into the fight. He looks like he's still game. He's still two feet jumped into this sport. Cowboy wasn't so much. Cowboy's been working on movie sets. He said, "I'm about to go be a movie star." He, he's been drinking un, unlimited Bud Lights or Miller Lights. I don't remember what it was on those sets. Um, having himself a, an awesome time. Excuse me, and having to weigh in a couple times in a row. It's just a bad situation. And um, he got caught, and it's funny because he's a guy who is such an impressive grappler, and that gets overlooked because of just like how much of a badass he portrays himself to be and whatnot. But this is a guy who I want to say less than a year ago is um, maybe a year and a half is tapping out Rafael dos Anjos, a guy that we'll talk about for having really terrific jujitsu twice in one night of submission underground. At like 40 years old, this is this is a guy that's really, really talented, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, so much respect to Cowboy. Um, sad to see him go, but I, I really think that it was the right move for him at this point in time in his life. And, I mean, we've seen him have success acting. You and I are huge fans of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, him, him being on a movie set and him feeling comfortable and him saying, I'm going to be a fucking movie star – is awesome for a guy that we both have a ton of respect for and is an absolute legend in terms of this sport.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Legend status for sure for Cowboy and uh, sad to see him go, but you know, it's probably the right time. He was a fade spot for us recently. And, you know, you never want to see somebody try to push it too long, especially in this, you know, line of work. Definitely. Uh, prelims main event, Jalen Turner Sub first round, Brad, Brad Riddell lasted 45 seconds.
0: And I cannot tell you how impressive this was. We have a lot of respect on this podcast for Brad Riddell. I mean, he's, he's the freaking striking coach at city kickboxing, a place that breeds dynamic, talented, cerebral strikers. And this was the opposite of a cerebral moment for him. Uh, I I don't remember who it was, but there was a handicapper I follow that uh, kind of called that he would shoot that, that Jalen would hurt him early and he would expose his neck kind of shooting a last a last, uh, a, a last uh, back against the wall kind of takedown and it was exactly how it went down. Um, I was on the under here for my biggest play of the night. I was on Jalen Turner. This was a huge cash for us as ankle pickers. Um, and wow, am I excited for what he, what he has to, to go from here? It really feels like, what was it? The yeah, no, he he's been on a tear since 2019, um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to face him at all. He's got a really impressive win over Jamie Malarkey, a guy we'll talk about later, and um, in all Brad first Riddella. and second round
1: finishes in this in this stretch.
0: And and Brad Riddle is as good as it comes.
1: Yeah, he'll for sure have a, a rank or a number next to his name next time we see him. Um, huge for Lightweight. 6'3", lanky, like... Oh, Riddell absolutely was, massive. Rodell was keeping him at range with his kicks, and Jalen Turner still is able to connect.
0: Absolutely massive for Lightweight. It, it's impressive that he can get down there so comfortably.
1: And a 50K bonus performance of the night for Jalen Turner. Well-deserved. Good for him. He should have gotten a crypto one, too. Fans are dumb. We had... Now onto the main card, Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz no contest after an eye poke from Sean O'Malley to Pedro Munoz and actually Munoz had scored or Munoz won the first on two judges scorecards.
0: Yeah, not really much to say here. Um, O'Malley looked decent with the leg checks, but obviously as you said, he lost those rounds and, um, yeah, it, it seems like I I sent a Snapchat to I think you and Reese before the fight of O'Malley's coaches talking about his jujitsu, and it seems like every time I brag about O'Malley's jujitsu, his fight ends in a strange fashion, way too early. The first time was the um, famous Cheeto Vera fight, and now it's this. And so I'm maybe I should just shut up, and and everyone will see it when it comes out. I know it's there, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I, I really have to stop talking about it. I'm gonna jinx it.
1: Fight of the night Welterweight bout Brian Barberena beats Robbie Lawler second round knockout
0: Good for them what a banger I really I didn't take away much from this because I didn't think either guy showed that they were dynamically or technically better than anyone in any way Brian landed harder when it counted and then hit found the spot on on Robbie and I really enjoyed watching this fight I didn't bet it for the same reason because I knew it was going to be a slobber knocker. I don't use that word a lot, but uh, this was a really fun fight. And I don't know, from these guys, that's exactly what I expected. And all I could hope, they matched everything.
1: Uh, Sean Strickland, Alex Pajeda ended up being what, like a semifinal match for the Maloite belt. And Alex Pajeda connects clean left, exactly how Danny called it. Knockout first round, 50k bonus for performance of the night,
0: Alex Vejeda. Yeah, I wish I could have put a uh specialized prop or something on the the method or the technique or whatever you want to call it. I think that DraftKings offers that, but uh I didn't see it that night. Great performance from Alex, but I, I'm not to give away what I think going into the the championship fight, Izzy Alex three technically, but one in MMA. I didn't learn anything from Alex here. I know he's got great range management. I know he has the most devastating left hook maybe in the world. Do I know he's like an actual MMA fighter from this? I, like, I don't. And that was my same argument going in. And crazy enough, I almost think we'll expect some takedowns from Izzy going into this fight. I think, I think it'll be a really weird situation. The first time in his life, he is far and away the better grappler than his opponent and can use
1: it I wish and this is going to sound a little bit like you know United States centric I wish Alex Pajada could speak English or Izzy could speak Portuguese just from like the press conference perspective I want them going at each other
0: well and and I don't I don't mean to get at that point saying Izzy needs to throw takedowns I firmly believe that Izzy would have Landed at a comfortable decision. Had he not gotten caught in their second kickboxing fight, he was dominating. He really was. He looked really comfortable. He looked like he had solved the puzzle until he ate that left hook. That's a kiss of death. Um, I I, I, I want to do the set the spread early. Kobe is what I'm going to say. I want to get on Izzy the second this line pops up because people are really down on him. After we're not to skip over Alex, but we should probably should just the nature of things. The Izzy sure. performance wasn't so exciting. I, I had, uh, the under, I expected a finish from him. I thought he was completely outclassed from Jared Cannonier. but there's a tweet I saw this weekend that I think perfectly explains it. Middleweights have learned how to not get knocked out from Izzy, but they haven't really learned how to hit him while they do that. And it's a lot of no action because Izzy relies on a lot of his opponents action to draw out holes and really attack you when you're vulnerable. And he's not one to just go at you blind. He wants to find a spot where he knows you're going to be open and absolutely clobber you. And and if you don't give him a spot, you're not going to get knocked out like these guys haven't in terms of YOL in terms of Cannonier, a little bit who who's had a different game plan. Tories wasn't so much stay out of danger; it was try and get some grappling going that didn't come. But um, none of these guys have really had success and. and the most success you can say, and I put that in quotes, is Yoel. And it's because it was the like the smallest sample size. It, it was really – Yoel had the one or two that were heavier, and that counts maybe more than five or six in my head. But if it gets to, like, 10 or 12 versus two, it's not the same conversation.
1: Yeah. So, Izzy wins, five-round decision. Two judges gave Jared the third – not a whole lot of action there, but you know, technically and effectively won by Izzy. Not to take away, yeah, he
0: was comp- he looked confident the whole time. I I tweeted out something, and I don't want to really get into this because I don't think it's true. And funny enough, it was true for Alex, and and I didn't notice it in that fight. I thought Izzy broke his hand or had a problem with his wrist or something early into the um into the second round. And he, it looked like he stopped throwing his right hand at a certain point for a full like round and a half. And then eventually maybe got the adrenaline or it got numb and started throwing it again, but never really significantly landed his, his right hand after maybe eight minutes in the fight. And he looked really aggressive the first eight minutes. I do want to credit him that it was an exciting fight while he was attacking. And then he kind of laid back and maybe it was because Cannoneer didn't give the options, maybe because it was hurt, but it's interesting. And Alex actually
1: hurt his hand.
0: I didn't notice that at all.
1: <laughs> uh, nonetheless, retaining the belt for Izzy, he'll have Prajada coming up next. What, maybe December, maybe January 2023.
0: We'll see. Yeah, we we're going to get that on. We're going to get on that as a podcast, maybe the first all time one off set the spread moment because I really wanted to jump on Izzy as an open before any sharp hits it and gets wise to it. The way I, I see this line
1: coming out is way shorter than it should ever be. Yeah, makes sense. Especially after just Izzy coming off kind of a little bit uninspiring. Um, what wasn't uninspiring was Volk's dominance over Holloway. 50 across the board, jaw the whole way. I mean, what more could you ask for from a, a, already a champ?
0: Incredible. And that's why on our, uh, what was it? A week, not a week, a month, a month and a half ago episode where we went through our pound for pound. That's why Volk's my number one. He's looked incredibly impressive in this run that he's on. Um, I saw the question being asked to like, I think it was the pre-fight show, like a DC um, Anthony Smith, Laura kind of show. Um, talking about Volkanovsky's run versus Khabib's, and I had never thought of that. And it's a really interesting question. Max Holloway, three times, is as impressive as it gets. It really is incredible. And to do it like this, obviously the first two were cerebral and were one step ahead, and, and he was the ultimate in-fight in adjustment guy, and this was different. He, in the first two, three minutes, realized I am infinitely faster than you, Max, and started saying it. He's like, I, I've got your ass. Like, you, you don't want this tonight. And it, like like you were saying, they were jawing, and it was early from Alex. He realized, I've got his ass, and I'm going to be so comfortable in here. And what for five rounds? Really pieced up, Max. Like, I think I tweeted out in the middle of the fourth, Alex is making Max feel – like Max felt Calvin Cater feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in here because I'm durable, but my striking offense is useless against this guy that is one step ahead in every step I take. It, it was crazy to watch. So impressed from bulk Surprised He's not the number one pound for pound, but obviously that's politics. Like they didn't take John Jones out of the top two since like, or like he he didn't fight for 18 months and he was still in the top two or some shit. But um. Yeah, Volk's my best fighter in the world, no doubt.
1: tough to argue against it at this point. I just went and looked back, and Reese and I both had Volk too, and Usman ahead of him. I don't know. It's 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 really tough to make the argument right now that Usman should be still ahead of Volk.
0: And it, it, it's tough because of a lot of recency bias, though. Usman's looked absolutely incredible in, in every fight he's been. I take Holloway three times. It was better than Covington two times. And Usman's never had this kind of performance against his – like eat most equal foe, like if if he fifty forty five Covington and made made Covington just like look actually pathetic. I've never seen Max Holloway look pathetic. I've seen him lose, but wow, this was different.
1: Um, we can kind of wrap up UFC two seventy six there. Um, overall, a really fun card. Obviously, two titles on the line, international fight week. It's it's supposed to be a really fun card, and it lived up to it. Um, nothing crazy shaking up the ranks, though. I mean, you have a couple guys jumping up in, you know, Jalen Turner probably. Well You've deserved. got Alex Pajeda, obviously, next in line for a title shot. Um, but not a ton of shakeup otherwise. And
0: mm-hmm. that Alex Pereira, we don't have to get into middleweight a lot, but I do think it's more so a week. Point on middleweight like he doesn't he isn't shown to me that he's the sixth best middleweight contender in the world but you kind of have to have him there if you're about to give him a title shot but it's because no one else can have the title shot because no one deserves it
1: well let's put a bow on it there move over to news and notes and work our way through that um this is kind of two weeks worth of news and notes so these are part i don't know some of these might be two weeks old but worth, worth noting nonetheless. Um, part of International Fight Week, we had three fighters inducted to the UFC Hall of Fame, Khabib, DC, and Cub Swanson.
0: Super fun. All very well deserving. Um, I think the biggest story coming out of this was DC like admitting to doing the towel trick and less so for me admitting to doing the towel trick and more so admitting that like, His coach had approached him and said, hey, man, remember the way we used to cheat in wrestling? We're going to do that now. And and him doing that like it. I don't know. i I, I'm never going to hold this against him. I'm obviously not the guy cutting weight. It's a way, way tougher task than anyone makes it out to be just because like 90 percent of fighters make it every week. It's tough and it is grueling. Not just physically, mentally, on these fighters every single time. Um, I just didn't like the way that he kind of he, he told that story as like an anecdote on like a late night thing. Like, hey guys, I totally cheated. Here's me in the Hall of Fame. I I don't know. It, it rubbed me a little bit weird. Weird time and place. Yeah, exact. That's it. And I'm not. He he's one, an incredible, incredible fighter. Two division champion. One of the best to ever do it. One of the best wrestlers we've ever seen in the octagon, any weight class, Um, all respect to it. I thought the speech was a
1: little bit weird. Um, Prior to UFC 276, we had Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate canceled due to Murphy having COVID. That got pushed two weeks out to 716. um, I think that's UFC Long Island. Not this week, next week
0: that'll be a big card i'm excited for i'm excited to see that matchup i don't have i don't have a strong play and um i'm gonna let you, our listeners know that that's a pass for me it'll it'll ride our uh whatever mma science. algorithm science kind of stuff but um yeah i'm I'm happy the matchup will i'm happy neither, neither of them has to sit on the shelf i'm happy we'll get to see the matchup and You'll um, Long Island as much as it was not international fight week, biggest card of the year. The Long Island card is, is supposed to have a lot of eyes and will be definitely good exposure and it'll be a great fight.
1: We already mentioned the Cowboy Cerrone and Jessica I retirements. We also have a pink slip for Tony Kelly. Don't let the yeah. door on the way out.
0: And and my initial take on this, and maybe I'm wrong is as much as, Fans hated the guy, and as much as it was fun that he was the villain and he sucked and he got knocked his ass out at USC Austin in a hostile environment, it was just so fun to be there. I think he's UFC caliber. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something going on with the contract that I don't know. Maybe Dana was just reading the tea leaves and maybe got the wrong gist, and maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think he's talented enough to – stick around i think he ran into adrian yanez that is an absolute savage and was out. outclassed there but t- i don't know tony kelly could, to me is not out of his own depth i thought that fight was actually be closer than it was
1: fair enough um another one that you made mention to sanford mma is no longer sanford mma now noted now known as kilcliffe fc right yeah, that'll take some time to get used to it. That's just a, a rebrand. That's not anything of substance, is it?
0: Right. I think. I. I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I think it's just a like a naming lease from uh, like Sanford Healthcare, um, winding down, and Killcliff the Energy Drink, who I think has some sponsorship deals with existing fighters and might be like combining the rosters based on the based on the one page press release I read is what what I'll preface this with. Um, But they look like they're trying to build a a team of representatives and kind of get into this sport. And I don't really know. I I don't think that the gym location or coaches or athletes or really anything of substance changed um, aside from probably
1: some signage inside and the naming this one kind of slipped through the cracks, and we definitely haven't mentioned yet it yet. But Dana, in an interview in the last week or week and a half, said that John Jones is ready to go and will fight either Francis or Stipe next. It, uh, I was like, I was gonna say, is it a believe it when you see it, or is there some substance to this?
0: I was at the last John Jones fight, it was my like fourth or fifth event ago and like i i'm not a guy that travels to every event it's almost exclusively ones in in texas i i don't know I, i'll be very thankful to see john jones fight again he's absolutely elite revolutionized the sport is one of the best athletes we've ever seen in the octagon i'll believe when i see it Fair especially the heavyweight version We've we've heard this rumor for
1: years Well, we'll believe it when we see it, but we would love to see it if oh, yeah. we can see it. We'll leave it at that. Um, we have Contender Series announcement. That's going to start weekly on Tuesdays, end of this month, July 26th.
0: I mean, that's super exciting. More so, I think, is uh, one or two names that we've seen announced. So that's next Where...
1: up on my list.
0: Let's get into those.
1: Bo Nakal.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. An absolute tank of a prospect. I mean, when we talk about the best wrestlers of all time in in the UFC, I just mentioned DC. Bo Nickel is probably one of the only resumes that we could see top it um, without having gone to the Olympics. The dude did the equivalent of winning back-to-back Heismans. He won back-to-back Hodge awards. It was a three-time national champion at Penn State. Um, I mean, they built American top team Happy Valley because that's where he wanted to train. And I, I, there's to me, there's not been a prospect with more hype around them. And maybe it's like a different level of hype. Like there was Patty, obviously, that just came in. Uh, Hamzat, I was a guy who was really high on as a prospect, but the hype came after he entered the UFC. Shab caught the same kind of deal. Bo Nickel is, if you're a combat sports fan, if you've watched wrestling once, this guy is one of the best in the world in terms of combat sports athletes. And he's had like three MMA fights in his professional career ever. There's a lot of potential there. If the hands come through, he's as dangerous as dangerous gets. The skill set is absolutely phenomenal. The athleticism is phenomenal. The level of compete is another level. It's, it's really crazy. I'm, I'm talking back to back, Hodge Awards, three-time national champion here. It's crazy.
1: Um, next up, we have Darren Tell, unfortunately, out of his fight against Jack Hermanson at UFC London. Uh, but We do already have a replacement and it's a familiar face. Chris Curtis back in on short notice.
0: Good for Chris Curtis. The action man is all about that action. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this. I I don't, I need to dive in the tape a little bit. It reminds me of the matchup he just had against Adolfo Vieira, another great grappler, but Jack's got a lot of other tools, things that Adolfo didn't have, um, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I'll definitely be wanting to ride the action man at another favorable price. And I
1: guarantee you will get one. We've got two fight announcements to close up news and notes. On September 3rd, UFC Paris, we have Nasruddin Imavov and Joaquin Buckley. Buckley stepping back in on, or pretty quickly, he was UFC Austin. Yeah, very fun fight. That'll be sweet. And we have Gregory Rodriguez also off of the UFC Austin card against Chidi Injokani, September 17th.
0: Another just banger of a fight. I don't know about uh, initial knee-jerk edges, but um, that'll be
1: sweet. Uh, that's news and notes. You got anything to add?
0: Um, nothing in terms of news and notes. I think it's time to that we pivot into my surprise segment.
1: Producer, play the surprise segment, ringtone.
0: So what we've got here is as of this afternoon, a new update in terms of UFC strike NFTs. Uh, There's a moment burn going on where you can trade in three lightweight uh, contender moments. That's the lowest level of moments, the least rare, the cheapest. You can get yourself a contender moment for, I mean, two to 10 bucks right now. Um, if you, get, if you can tra- trade in three of them, any three, you get yourself the winner of the main event on this card, UFC Vegas. Is it 5'8? 8 um, Either Rafael Fiziev or sorry, either Rafael Dos Anjos or Rafael Fiziev, And it's a uh, challenger level moment. So that's, that's an immediate upgrade. I went ahead and... This afternoon, I burned two moments of the three needed. I burned Matt Frivola and Vlachlav Borshev. And I need one more to go through.
1: I like Frivola, but obviously, you know, Fiziv or RDA is.
0: And, and another level up of rarity. It's it, yeah. it's going to get a little bit more dicey in a second, Kobe, and I'll tell you why. Your boy is one of the first on the line. Jack Dela Madalena is a lightweight that I have that, Buy the cards or buy the marketplace right now is the least valuable lightweight that I have of, of these really cheap contender moments. I'm not going to say like, Oh, super valuable. And he's going up against a Charles Oliveira sub a, um, a Michael Chandler. I don't think it's a knockout, but it, essentially it's Oliveira, It's De La Madalena. It's Gaethje. It's Chandler. And I have to decide which of those contender moments has the least value going forward. And I'm leaning towards Michael Chandler. I'll let you know just with his age so, and where and they this all is, This is part
1: of me not knowing how it works, but obviously a guy like Oliveira who's already held gold, is, is it, is there something to be said that like he doesn't have as much room to go up as some of these other guys?
0: So that's my principle for, for Michael Chandler. He's 36. He's by far the oldest guy. He's had his shot against Charles Oliveira. I think that um, these series one Charles Oliveras will hold their value in whatever 10 years time, because he did hold gold and was this exciting champion after Khabib. Um, well, I'm not so sure that, Michael Chandler in the the long run is really worth anything. And so that's why I'm leaning towards the Chandler. Gaethje is obviously a fan favorite. Um, and Jack Daly, Maddalena, I think people are really undervaluing those. I think if you're trying to get into UFC strike, that might be a place to start is just grabbing yourself a Jack Daly or two. Um, I was surprised when I looked at the marketplace and saw that he was the least valuable of the, of the four.
1: I mean, you know that I'm not going to cross off my boy, Della Maddalena, so I agree with your Chandler perspective.
0: Yeah, I I didn't think this would be too long of a segment. I thought that uh, Reese might have some interesting perspective just as a collector and a long-time physical trading card buyer and seller, but um, I think that the choice I'm making here is Michael Chandler and – It pains me because I'm a fan of his, but the upside is just not there.
1: Uh, Well, I don't disagree with you. Let's get into this week. Let's do this week. UFC Vegas 58. We mentioned it at the top. Back at the apex, Vegas, 5 p.m. Central prelims, 8 p.m. Central main card. We've got what six fights on the main card and another six on the prelims as of today, Thursday afternoon. Uh, we will finalize cards and post them on Saturday morning ahead of start time. For now, we're going to run through the card top to bottom. Dan, I'll try to tee you up here best I can, short staff without Reese, but uh, let's jump right in. Curtain Jerker, Ronnie Lawrence a slight favorite over Said Yaqob Kakramanov. Ronnie Lawrence, it looks like you can get him minus 125.
0: 125 is not too bad of a price. I kind of thought that this one would inflate a little bit more. He's super well-rounded. He's a guy who kind of used to be known for his striking his range management, his speed on the feet, uh, but has really added a major wrestling component to his game plan. and his wrestling has looked terrific against Cachero, against Mana Martinez, even if the end of that fight got a little shaky. Uh, plus, the move to American Top Team recently has me thinking he's taking his game really seriously, rounding it out. I can see why he's favored here, even though even though it's it's slight. That being said, Saeed Yakub could be a guy that i'm really wrong about i don't i don't i don't say i'm really wrong about like i've said anything so far but a guy that could be a really great prospect he looked totally he went toe-to-toe with cousin umar um, umar namagomedov took him to a decision um in a pfl i think main event or co-main and looked really decent and Ronnie Lawrence is not even half of the fighter that, that cousin Umar is. I, I got to be honest. And it's, it's interesting just because as well-rounded as Saeed Cub is, I tend to think the volume, the speed, and the wrestling is all Ronnie's. I expect him to shoot for a lot of takedowns. Um, and And I see Ronnie winning this fight. I'm sketched out a little bit. By um, how talented as a prospect, I think, Saeed Jacob is in both the line. I th- I thought it would be – I thought Sharps would be more on the Ronnie Lawrence side and I'd be comfortable with, like, a, a little bit of a juicier play, like a minus 130. But I, I at this point, I think it's a toss-up and I'm not so comfortable paying the minus 130.
1: Fair enough. Light heavyweight bout is next up on the card. When we actually set the spread for Kennedy and Chuck Wu and Carl Roberson, you had in Chuck Wu minus one twenty-five a couple weeks ago, and it's sitting right there. And Chuck Wu is your favorite. Looks like you can get a minus one twenty-eight is the best spot, closer to minus one thirty across the board.
0: Yeah, and this looks like it's another pass for me. I have to be honest. Kennedy, crazy athlete, crazy long. Uh, I think he's around the same height as Carl Roberson but has a huge 9-inch reach advantage. That being said, he doesn't know how to, or hasn't shown to work behind his jab so well. Um, I've seen that he's lacked a little bit of killer instinct in terms of just being low volume and not showing the power when he needs it. Um, Roberson, former K1 Muay Thai, maybe not K1, but as a Muay Thai kickboxing background. Um, He's a lot of talent on the feet. But to me lacks fight IQ and, and and it's it's an interesting thing because I don't tend to think either guy is using their tools to the best of their ability ability. I like I think back on um who was it that uh Roberson he sat down or it was um Brendan Allen. He sat down and tried to heel hook Brendan Allen and Brendan Allen was like oh, we're playing heel hooks now and just grabbed Roberson's heel and took it home. It it was just a really interesting fight decision from a guy who's got a kickboxing background against a grappler. But um, I lean the Kennedy side. Both sides don't have me overly excited.
1: Next fight up, by the way, about David Onama versus Garrett Armfield making his UFC debut. Uh, Onama was scheduled against... Was it Austin Lingo, I think, who yeah. had to pull from the fight? So this is a this is a late sub Garrett Armfield against David Onama. Onama's a sizable favorite in the minus 700 range.
0: Yeah, and Armfield's a prospect I actually have a decent amount of respect for. Um, this is a tough matchup for him, especially on short notice, but he's a guy who's fought Ronnie Lawrence before. He's a pretty respectable opponent. Um, I think he was going to be in the UFC – whether or not it was now or later but it's hard to accept a fight against a guy as, as talented as onama on short notice and um onama has looked to be just really terrific i think back on the mason jones fight a fight where he was maybe like a plus like 400 plus like 350 like something huge and he looked really impressive he got taken down a bunch but was never like on his back for a very long time um i think statistically he outstruck mason jones over the course of the fight none of the obviously non-significance or whatnot but i'm i'm huge on onama the line and and vegas and the bookies are also there with me it's not even worth it throwing in your parlays but uh i I think we'll see armfield get a couple of fights out of this and I think he probably signed a multiple fight contract, but this isn't the spot to back him. He's a guy who likes to strike. on'aman's going to be longer and better and the better grappler. It's just not a lot of spots.
1: Middleweight bout, Cody Brundage and Trayshawn Gore. Gore, your slight favorite in the minus 140 range.
0: Another interesting spot because I think I've – posed all of this uh, whole season of the ultimate fighter as, as a future fade. And Gore was the guy who albeit of guys that didn't have a a lot going for them, the one that shown out the most. And I thought that he was going to beat Brian battle when they faced off. And that just wasn't the case. And maybe it was that Gore was coming off a layoff, whatever it was, he was gun shy. He had low volume. Um, It was just a weird situation. That being said, I think he's the better athlete than Cody Brundage. Brundage um, was a a college wrestler, I want to say, but hasn't looked to me like he's got some crazy elite top pressure, crazy elite wrestling game. Um, I think Gore should be able to stay off his back or at least get back to his feet just as the stronger guy, as the better athlete. Um, But I don't like the price that that it's at. I think if you got it earlier in the week, it was more of a coin
1: toss, and this 150, 160 is – not for me. Yeah, two weeks ago when we set the spread for that one, it was minus 110 both ways and has steamed Treshawn Gore's direction, obviously, since then. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pretty light this card. I look, Just looking over it,
0: I think I only have uh, three or so plays that I'm really confident about. I'm doing my best to stay away from props unless I love them. That was a little bit of my downfall last week. But um, yeah, it seems like a, a light card just in terms of
1: edges. First of two women's MMA fights up next. Flyweight Antonina Shevchenko and Courtney Casey. Uh, Antonina's favored in the minus one seventy range.
0: Interesting matchup, just because I do tend to lean Antonina. Won't be one where I tell you to not play the play the algorithm, play the science, play the math. Um, Casey's Casey's got good boxing, good enough. I don't think that she's the better striker than Antonina, but um, and the thing is Antonina's never shown that she's elite. Her sister's elite. She has an elite uh, camp, elite name, elite coach, whatever, because she trains with her sister and private coaches. Um, but she does have a lot of success in fights where she's the better wrestler. And Casey is just not defensively a sound wrestler i really don't think and so i tend to think antonina will win this fight but not strong enough where i would ever play it not strong enough that i would i would tell you to stay away in terms of the dog i think it'll be a close fight i think casey will have her moments but shevchenko is probably the quicker and more precise striker shevchenko is probably the better wrestler and casey's gonna gonna rely on boxing in the pocket and we'll
1: hope to catch her Prelim main event, Bantamweight bout. Ricky Tercios, you kind of mentioned it, but one of the very few somewhat bright spots from that season at Tough uh, is a favorite minus 200 or so. Let me get a real number on that. Um, Ricky Tercios, yep, right in the 200 minus 190 range over Ayman Zahabi, uh, who has one fight under his belt in the UFC since 2019.
0: And this is a really interesting matchup, like you said. Um it seemed like obviously battle because he won, but Trayshawn Gore, um, Ricky Tercios and Brady Highstand were the guys that I really were were, were the were the memorable guys in terms from a skill level for me. And Ricky went through Brady a fight where I thought he was going to lose, um, and a lot of it is is it has to do with the style that Ricky brings. He presses the pace. He brings a ton of volume. He never gets out of your face, stays in the front foot, has an infinite gas tank it seems, just keeps coming. Is super durable, a little bit more hittable than I'd like him to be, um, but he just keeps coming and that looks great in terms of in, in what the judges are seeing here as opposed to Zahabi who seems a little bit leaning on those, those finishes and those knockouts for his wins. Um, I don't see Ricky getting knocked out. I see Ricky being the higher volume strikers. A going to try and stay on his bike, really move around, keep his jab working. And against a guy like Ricky Tercio's, I'm just not so sure that that's, that's the way you're going to win this fight. Um, I was listening to an interview a, a, a really long time ago Um the interview took place a long time ago. I was listening to it a day or two ago with uh Farissa Hobby, Iman's brother, who's one of the most elite coaches of all time, GSP, um tri star, like absolutely elite. Also, my boy OAM Olivier Aubin Mercier, shout out to him. Always have to when it when when do. Um he was vocal while TriStar was kind of the center, the pivotal part of MMA. I'm in GSP's training partner, working with Rory McDonald, um, really getting great rounds in and giving these guys great looks. And his own brother is the one saying, Oh, I I don't think he should ever fight in the UFC. I'm not sure if he's ready for that or if if that's for him, or if that's something that he's up to. And in that same mind, you look at his record and promotions that aren't the UFC and earlier promotions when he's, just starting as a professional fighter he's fighting cans he's fighting no one it seems like that's almost by design it's it's weird that while he's getting praise from some of the best fighters in the world as a training partner his own brother who's one of the best minds in the sport is saying i i don't think he's there but he ends up there and is still hasn't looked terrific and it's, it's just really weird. I, I don't get the best fry vibes from Iman, and maybe I'll eat that. But this is, one, this is long-winded. I'm not betting Ricky Tercios. I see why he's the favorite. Stylistically, he's not going to go down. Iman's going to rely on the power. I don't like Ricky Tercios because when we're talking about a guy as his best quality being durable or the thing to lean on being his durability, it means he's getting hit, means he's getting lit up, means he doesn't have great head movement. Those aren't great things I like to risk money on. That's why I'm going small on this card. It's a pass, but I see why Ricky's the favorite. I'm not sold on Ayman. Um, interested in this fight, though. Just It'll be fun. Ricky's going to come at him. iman has got power.
1: We're on to the main card. First fight on the main card, lightweight bout. Michael Johnson taking on Jamie Malarkey. Jamie Malarkey is your favorite in the minus 230 to 250 range.
0: So, yeah, this is a spot where I think I'm going to have Malarkey in a small parlay. Um, Michael Johnson has a lot of skill. He's really impressive. You look at his record and you can tell. He's got wins over, like, Dustin Poirier. Um, I think a win over Al Iaquinta. Um, He won the first round for sure in dominant fashion against Tiago Moises. Uh, Before getting caught in the heel hook Um, wins over Edson Barbosa, Joe Lozon, like Tony Ferguson. These are crazy win people to have wins over. The thing is his fight IQ is just so bad. Like he'll be winning these fights. The second I, I, I mentioned the Tiago Moises fight, he'll be winning this fight and just do the stupidest things to lose him. Josh Emmett, he's winning the fight. Here comes the overhand. It's, Lately, he's just been so, so, so full of red flags. Um, he knocked out Alon Patrick really fast, but it's not something I really learned a lot from. Johnson's always been a guy that has a lot of power. Um, that's how he has a lot of these wins is, is by hurting his opponents and really uh, surprising them with the amount of power he has. But that being said, at 36, can I can I be confident in that power going three rounds? I don't think so. I think the power is there around one, but Jamie Malarkey's, like, I'm I'm saying he's durable, but I'm not saying that he's durable in the same way Ricky Tershios is, because Jamie Malarkey brings pace. Um, Jamie Malarkey's only been knocked out Jalen Turner, Alexander Volkanovsky. I'm ready to say, like, not holding either of those against him. You know, he, he's... Fought absolute killers like in in Devontae Smith and uh, um, Brad Riddell, and, and just like uh, it's Volk. And as we just learned last week, Jalen Turner are crazy finishers. Those aren't things I'm holding against him. Um, I don't see Johnson getting the finish. I think there's maybe a, a smart live play spot after round one if Johnson takes it. That being said, I, I don't think it's something that is smart to wait on. I think that Malarkey could easily take the first and the second and third are going to be Malarkey's. I'm really confident in that. I think Johnson's got the first maybe in his bag, but that's about it. And if we see him get the first, I'll be jumping on the live spot. If we, I'll probably be throwing Malarkey in a parlay with um, a guy we've got coming up later that I'm, I'm a little bit in a similar spot about not loving the number, but pretty confident he'll win. Um but, yeah, I, I, I like Malarkey a lot more than I, I like Michael Johnson in this spot. And I, I'm a guy who's better against Michael Johnson in a couple spots. So take that as you will.
1: Yeah, certainly nothing to scoff at those two knockout losses when you're talking Jalen Turner and Volk. We know that firsthand now. Um, I guess not firsthand. I don't want to say that.
0: <laughs> but we've seen a lot of it. Those <laughs> And, guys and are, I don't want to have to live into that. <laughs> those guys are dominant.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Um, the second of two women's MMA bouts, we have flyweight Cynthia Calvillo, slight favorite to Nina Nunez minus one fifty range.
0: Yeah, another one I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on. Let's go with the the science, the algorithm. Nunez has looked good. There's obviously the question of um, what her headspace is—a fighter versus a mom, just kind of being in and out. But I think that. In general, her whole is her is her wrestling, and and Calvio has. Calvio was big for one fifteen and could wrestle women at one fifteen, but at one twenty five hasn't shown to have that same level of strength, and hasn't shown to have that same size advantage in terms of implementing her wrestling. And so, if Nunez can keep this on her feet, she's gonna absolutely be ahead in volume, absolutely be ahead in the damage. Um. It, she's she's got to stay up though, and and it's it's that's that's what we're gonna look for in this fight. I won't be betting it, but the science lives on.
1: Heavyweight might be one to go get a new, get another beer or ref- go pick up some food, whatever. Jared Vandera, Chase Sherman, Vandera a favorite in the minus two hundred range.
0: Yeah, you've got a really good read on me, Kobe. I tend to stay away as much as I can from heavyweights. There's just so much in terms of volatility in terms of um question marks from the fighters you you don't you don't see as much skill there's so much i want to say turnover but these are both guys that are on mm-hmm. like three and four fight losing streaks that are still sticking around so
1: Battle for the pink turnover.
0: yeah it, it really should be um Vandera should be the better fighter, I say, with question marks. But you look at his game plan against Alexio Linick, a spot I backed him, a spot where all you got to do is not get on top of the guy. Just don't, don't grapple with Alexio Linick, please. And what does he does? He, he, he grapples with Alexio Linick, scarf hold, asking him, hey man, how did you do that after the fight on their, on their way back to the locker rooms? Uh, Vandera holds a black belt. Obviously, it's not the same level as the Boa constrictor, Alexio Olenek, but there aren't a lot of guys that are. I just th- – this one for me, it's heavyweight. It's two guys I don't think are really skilled. Um, based on the game plan we saw from Jared Vander on his last one, he's going to, like, hold out his calf and let Chase Sherman kick it because that seems to be Chase Sherman's only redeemable quality. But, um, this, yeah, like you said, this is one I'm major passing on, not throwing in any parlays. Um, if you're forced to play every spot on the card, I say this a couple times. I, I maybe like the over. Both these guys, I don't think, are the biggest power punchers, and uh, it's heavyweight. I haven't actually looked at it, it should be one and a half, but um, I mean, if it's not, just don't touch this fight. This over is- one
1: and a half, minus 167, over two and a half, plus 138.
0: That's not even a super attractive line. I'll be staying super far
1: away. Um, what you're not staying super far away from is this, or these next three. First up, Bantamweight bout, Douglas, Silva, Dandraj, and Said Nurmagomedov. Silva, Dandraj is a dog in this one. Said is favored in the minus 330 to minus 350 range. For what it's worth, though, Silva, Dandraj has succeeded as a sizable underdog before. We saw him, you know, fight back from... Not the death, but he he was losing against Morozov his last time up too, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely, yeah. Jaws of defeat there, catches Morozov once he kind of slows down and really takes advantage, gets that finish in the second round. And the thing I'm seeing here is similarly to to the Morozov fight, but even more so, um, Said is just the better fighter overall. Said can he's not cousin Umar, he's not Usman Nurmagomedov, Um, but he's also not a Bubakar. Like Said is really talented. He's from that Dag fighter gym, um, more so of like a Zabit kind of style. He can beat you with the stand up. He's really damn good. Um, he can beat you with the with the grappling, with the jiu jitsu. The submissions are slick. The wrestling is is the kind of the thing that's even less so like it's it's the it's the submissions and it's the stand-up in that dag fighter gym less so than Armagametov that you're thinking of in the dominant top pressure but um like you said Douglas is coming off a huge comeback and it, it started with Douglas just not being able to find his range really being picked apart being hurt in that first round by Morozov um really not finding timing not finding range at all Morozov slowed down and then, he, and then he got hit. I don't see Saeed doing that. Um, I see Saeed really staying smart, just not getting caught. He's going to move around the outside of his outside of the cage, stay safe, touch this Douglas from the outside, winning a comfortable decision here. Uh, this is the second leg that I talked about in that small parlay with Malarkey. If you have bet 365 to your disposal, I did the math, a Saeed plus Malarkey parlay, Pays plus one sixteen, which is a little bit of of great value for two guys. I think are a
1: lot, uh, just outclassing their opponents. The co-main this week we have Chow Barayo and Armin Petrosian. I didn't. I was just looking up Chow Barayo's record. So he has one fight in the UFC, two on a contender series. His fights in the contender series were three weeks apart in 2021. September. Yeah, 28th, he didn't
0: get the uh, he didn't get the uh, contract in the first one and decided. Got like, that. I'm good. Let's let's go grab it.
1: Um, he's a favorite over Armored Trojan in the minus two thirty range. Interestingly enough, that one opened minus one forty five brio it's actually come down. I'm sorry. Opened minus minus three hundred brio went down to -145 when we were picking them um that was the end of June and back up to the 230 range.
0: Yeah, 230 is is pretty steep. I was seeing that at like 170, 180 the other day. Um when I initially wrote this down as a as a play, I got to revisit it at 220 and just kind of look at just look at some situations to be honest. I like Kyle here. Um it's the similar situation that we talked about last week a couple of times. The Trojan is a specialist. He is an unbelievable striker. Um, just next level, but he's really lacking in the grappling department. He does have great cardio. He can come at you if he stays on his feet. But Kyle seems to be like a real deal, really well-rounded prospect. He's a southpaw with a ton of power. He talked about in an interview I recently, I listened to recently, that he is a natural uh, right-handed, whatever writer, uh, thrower of a ball, right-handed person. But upon watching Connor have so much success as a southpaw, switch to the southpaw stance, and so that jab he has is really powerful too. He's a natural, um, he's a natural orthodox fighter that fights at southpaw and is super powerful, super comfortable. Not to mention, he dominated a, a wrestling specialist in Omer godzia in his UFC debut. After what we just talked about, going back to back on Contender Series, he's a guy who calls himself a fight nerd. So I'm I'm going to go and say, go ahead and say he's got elite fight IQ. Um, I I have to imagine that he's not coming out here to stand in front of Petrosian for five, 15 minutes. It's just not the guy that calls himself the fight nerd. He's just not going to do that. Um and I and I think he's gonna have a lot of success when he mixes, mixes it up. Um, even if Armin gets back to his feet, the threat of the takedown will open up a lot of stuff for Kyle, who's fast and great from that southpaw stance. Not nearly a striker that Petrosian is, but um I liked it a lot at that minus one sixty that we were seeing, like I think around uh set the spread and like the minus one seventy five eighty that was last week. I gotta revisit this two twenty, but um, this, this Kai side has decided to be on.
1: I'm excited to hear that. I like Kyle. Um, main event time. Main event of UC Vegas 58, battle for Rafael. It's Rafael Faziv favorite over Rafael Dos Anjos. Faziv is in the minus 225, excuse me, 210 to 230 range is what I'm seeing. And
0: that's still a good number. I'm going to tell you listeners, hop on that as soon as you can. I, I grabbed it at 200 maybe a day or two ago, and um, I expect it to keep growing. Viziev's a guy on paper who you could people could say or make the argument that he's that same kind of specialist where I was just talking about with Armin Petrojan, being the Tiger Muay Thai striking coach, um, really not doing any grappling, in, in terms of any of his UFC fights, but you look deeper into the stats and he's got like, I think it's 19 out of 20, um, takedowns defended, uh, uh, versus uh, attempted on him. And it's not like it's all cans. I mean, it's Hinato Moicano. It's, um, it's Brad Riddell, who's is pretty decent. It's Bobby Green. It's Mark D. Casey, who's got great wrestling. Um, he's shown to have statistically really phenomenal takedown defense. But to me, that didn't jump off on his tape. And what really led me to this play, and it's it's my biggest play of the night at, at 4X at the minus 200, 4X to win two. Um, it's Rafael Fazeev is doing two things. He's training at Tiger Muay Thai, with a guy, Mobsar Avilev, one of the best takedown specialists up and coming in, in the world right now, uh, and looks as comfortable as possible shutting, off, shutting down those takedowns. And two, it's the cross-training he's doing at Kill Cliff FC, a uh, gym that has a lot of great grapplers, a lot of really phenomenal, lightweight um, takedown specialists and jiu-jitsu specialists. And I think Fazeev... As good as RDA is, and as, so, as much respect as I have for RDA, a guy who has cardio for days, and this is a five-round fight that, that leans in RDA's direction, not Fazeev's. We've seen Fazeev, um have a little bit of a of a cardio dump in two rounds of a three-round fight. There's definitely the scenario where even if RDA doesn't land, let's say, three takedowns and has ground control time, by the fourth round, Fazeev's tired from defending these takedowns or whatnot and and it's it's rda's game i just i think that fizzy's gonna be able to sprawl and brawl everything i've seen from him especially with working with most it gets me excited you guys can see in this video right now if you're watching on youtube i'm like grinning i'm getting animated about Drilling takedown defense with Movsar Avlov and Rafael Faziv, two of the just the next generation of fighters. I think this is kind of a passing the torch moment for a guy who wasn't always, I mean, he's a former title holder. I'm calling him a gatekeeper in this stage in his career, not who RDA is as a fighter. But I think this is a passing the tor- torch moment for the new generation. Faziv is the real deal. Um, and I think he's one of the more marketable guys that we're seeing of this new generation at lightweight. He's He's got great English. He's funny. He's got great social presence, um, and man, he throws with reckless and I won't say reckless intent, but with dangerous intent. He's there to take you out with every body kick, every hook, every every strike he takes is there to take your head off. It's not so much of a there's no feeler shots with with Rafael. So yeah, I'm going Rafael over Rafael on this one.
1: Another one that I'm glad you put it that way, because I do like Rafael Physique a lot. And uh I'm gonna jump on him as soon as I can. Anything else this week before we close up? We've got, we mentioned it at the top, but it's UFC Vegas 58, 5 p.m. Central Prelims, 8 p.m. central main card. We'll have our cards posted uh Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon before the event starts. We're starting the New season of the ankle lock challenge. Ankle lock is 12 and six the first half of the year. Um, and, we and we're hope doing to, Survivor we hope
0: to compete well. better this year. Yeah, Survivor doesn't start till Long Island. Um, that'll be an interesting kind of triple ankle lock for you followers. Um, obviously, we're not going to be as sure about it, but it's the idea where we pick three fights every week, um, in between essentially minus 200 and even um and if we win those fights then we get three fights the next week if we lose one we would have two the next week if we pick a dog we could gain a pick so it's a an interesting survivor type pool but um we'll be talking about it a lot in the in the second half of this calendar
1: year can't wait dan closes up with the poha
0: Yeah, and I'm going to change this one up a little bit because I have my shirt. It's it's sitting over there. I should run and grab it. But everyday pojada.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.